0: On Friday, I left the office in between um, learning community and meetings and uh, to go get my haircut up at Great Clips, which is up by Walmart and the Rice Inn. And, um, and, I, and I pulled in and, and you were going, it was about time you got a haircut, Her. Like, we've been meaning to talk to you about that. Got out of the car and I was, I was looking at the door because would, I wanted to make sure they were still open on a Friday. And as I'm, I'm staring at the door, I hear to my right, um, Grandpa, 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 Grandpa. And, um, and I thought, "Wow, somebody's having fun over there at Rita's. But there was something in my mind that thought, those voices sound a little bit familiar, so maybe I should look. And when I looked, there was my two grandsons. Brody who just turned 7, Landon who's almost 4 years old and, and they come running from land, uh, they come running from Rita's over to where I was to walk into Great Clips. And I thought I, I was just surprised and I thought god what, a, what an incredible blessing first of all because I had intended to come a little bit earlier than that. But I decided to try to get something done and finish a project until a little bit later. And so I ended up going there later. And I thought, God, how good you are to delay and just, because that was a gift. There was a, so I'd already checked in the great clips. So they were probably wondering, where is Herb? He's checked in. He's not here. I went over and sat down with them for a half an hour and just got to visit with them where their dad was there. They weren't there by themselves. You know, so <laughs> their dad was there too. So I got to talk with them, but I, I, there was something in my head that found a familiarity to the voices when I heard, Grandpa, 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 Grandpa. I didn't quite, couldn't because it was out of place. I wasn't focused on that. I wasn't expecting that. And yet there was a familiarity so that when I looked and I saw, I knew that it was them. Is there a familiarity with the voice of God in your life that you recognize when he speaks, whether you're expecting it or not? And I think that's what we need to talk about. How do we get familiar? How do we recognize God's true voice? So last week we talked about the false voices. False voices are a big deal. And I told you that um, I, how God had showed me through Philippians and then through our daily readings and in a prevalence about these warnings to look out, to be aware, um, to be on your guard against the false voices in scripture and the, the amount of times it shows up in the New Testament that I'd never noticed before. Um, and so I've been grappling all week with that. God, why is it so important? Why is it so prevalent? Why do you mention it so often? And uh, in the grappling all week, I, I did. I spent more hours really studying and praying and thinking and pondering. And then in learning community, we we took the sermon outline from last week and, and we dug in deeper about those false voices, trying to get a handle on What are the practical ways that those false voices show up and what do we do in response to that? And as a result of all of that, I sense that we need to focus on the essence of what it means to follow Christ. If you um, ask people, what, what what does it mean to be a Christian? What is the essence of following Christ? You get a lot of different answers. So audience participation. If you ask people, What does it mean to be a Christian? What are the the kind of answers that you get? Love, Love, to be a Christian is to be loving, to go to church, to be safe in in God, to To die to self, you hear people who are serious about it, will say those, what's that? Fellowship, Fellowship. what's that? Relationship and serving, and some of those, some of those are are people who really are really striving, and then you hear some of the superficial stuff. Well, you know, being a Christian, I, I, well, I'm not Buddhist, I'm not Muslim, so I must be a Christian, or I grew up in a, I, I grew up in a church, or I was confirmed in a church, or, you know, I'm a good person, so that makes me a Christian. But the essence of following Christ. The essence of following Christ, we get so familiar with this idea of being a Christian or, or the term Christ follower, that sometimes we don't grasp the simplicity of it. Because the essence of being a Christ follower, are you ready for this? You know, there's a blank in your outline. And I haven't put blanks in, in, in sermon outlines for years. But I couldn't resist this time. I just couldn't resist because I think it's so important. After all my hours of study this week and grappling with this whole concept, what, I, what I, I landed on is that the essence of following Christ, are you ready to fill in the blank? You got your pen ready? Yeah. The essence of following Christ is, go ahead, following Christ. <laughs> We miss the simplicity of that, Mm -hmm. and we make it really complicated. But the essence of being a Christ follower is obeying God and doing what he says. That's what following means. And that means we need to hear the true voices, Mm -hmm. and we need to watch out for the false voices that look good, sound good, but lead us astray. The focus of our lives is not to know more, but to obey more. The focus of our lives is not intellectual knowledge. Knowing is important as it leads to knowing what to obey, knowing what to do to follow. Knowing is incomplete unless we obey. And so we live in a culture where knowing is a priority. So let's talk about it. Last week we talked about how we need to accept the realities of the false voices, that we live at war with enemies intent on destroying us. Every day we wake up and we have enemies, supernatural enemies, who are trying to destroy us. And and those false voices are subtle, and they're sly, and they try to lead us astray. And that we are gullible and vulnerable, susceptible and at risk. Because of our human nature, our sinful human nature, we are way more gullible than we realize. And so that's why so often in the New Testament, pay attention, be on the lookout, watch, guard yourself. And that we are self-focused, prone to believe what we like. And so we have this confirmation bias where we're trying to look, we're trying to find what we already believe, subconsciously instead of looking for the truth that God has. And so to distinguish, and so I want to add this to what we talked about last week is to distinguish between false and true voices. We need to ask, does it lead to obeying God or turning away from God? It's about action. It's about behavior. It's not not primarily about knowledge. It's about what we do. And so if that voice is is in, the intent of that voice is to lead us to do something or to think something or to uh, treat somebody in a way that is not following Christ. It's a false voice. A true voice leads us to obey God. So a big part of that paying attention is about obeying God. false voice is anything that leads us away from following Christ. A false voice will tap into our sinful, selfish nature, which causes us not to obey Christ, just to veer a little bit or a lot. Mm -hmm. And false voices are a major weapon in the enemy's arsenal to try to get us away from Christ. And so any voice that is not true will, will not lead us to obeying God. So let's talk about some actions that we can take to consistently obey Christ. Number one. We need to obey in order to gain knowledge and maturity in Christ. We need to obey. So it's not its not primarily about know, knowing. Western culture focuses on intellectual learning. The system that we have in, in Western culture is based on the Greek system of classroom. And so it's based on this intellectual understanding, this learning. That's the model that we have to the place where um, we could easily go into this idea that if we believe something, if we understand something, then somehow we have changed. And I often give the illustration of you know, uh, a man and a woman who are standing in front of an altar, and they're about ready to commit their lives to each other. And the man says, I do, and the woman says, I do, and they think they have, but they haven't. But they better, Mm -hmm. because from that point on, all they've done is made a commitment. They made a promise. They haven't lived it out yet. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when we come to Christ, it's the same thing. We think we've done something when we say, Jesus, I come to you and I surrender my life to you. We've committed. We've taken the first step, but we haven't lived it out yet. Mm -hmm. And so we live in a culture that we think if we have, we have uh, comprehended it then we've done something. In reality, we haven't done something until we obey. Because becoming a, being a follower of Christ means we're following Christ. Open your Bible to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, and we'll begin by looking at verse 12. I put a statement in there that the level of Christian maturity is not in what you know, but how you obey. And I heard a speaker say years ago that most of us have, are, have learned far beyond our level of obedience. We know a lot more than we actually put into practice. John chapter 8, beginning with verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever, what's the next word? follows, whoever follows, whoever gets in step with me, whoever is in the yoke with me, whoever is going with me, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now I want you to notice, he doesn't say whoever believes. He doesn't say whoever has committed. He says whoever is actually in step with me, whoever is obeying then we'll be able to tell the false voices, darkness, from God's voice, the light. So obedience is what leads to understanding. So we have to obey. The action is we obey to gain knowledge rather than gaining knowledge in order to obey. So Jesus says following him is the priority. Following him will lead to be able to distinguish. And then jump down to verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide, and if you're writing your Bibles, I would encourage you to underline or circle that word. If you abide in my word. He's not talking about making sure that you have a long, quiet time every day. That's not abiding. That's reading, studying, which is important. Abiding is living in it. He says, if you live in my word, if you are making a lifestyle of obeying my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So here's here's the formula. Obey me, and then you will know more... As you obey me, not as you study more, but as you actually put it into practice, then understanding will come. He says, and and you are my disciples. If you are living it, then you're, you're a Christ follower. You're living in my word. You're truly my disciples. And then you will know the truth. Obeying leads to understanding, which then leads to living in the truth that sets you free to abundant life. To be, to, it sets you free from the slavery of sin. It sets you free from being fooled by the false voices. It sets you free from giving in to things that you don't want to do anymore because the power of Christ is living in you. Obeying leads to knowledge, which leads to maturity. And so we just need to know, okay, Jesus said it. I'll obey it. Oh, now I understand why he said that. Here's what we want to do. Jesus, you said this. Now, tell me all about this. Where is this going to lead? How much is it going to cost me? Um, I, and are you guaranteeing that I'm going to be happy if I obey this? Come on. Right? Come on. We're, we're, you know, we want all those details. And Jesus says, no, just follow me. Remember when he, he came to all the disciples and he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Do you think they had any clue? No. Fish, what do you mean fishers of men? Peter and, and Andrew, James and John are going, we've been fishermen all our lives. And we've never, not one time have we lowered our net down there and pulled out a person. This doesn't make any sense. But he said, follow me. And they followed. And then later on, they began to get it. We want to know all the details up front. We need to just start obeying what he says. And then we gain... Some understanding. Never perfect understanding or complete understanding, but more understanding so that we can take the next step. They answered in verse 33. We are offspring of Abraham. We're Jewish people. And we've never been enslaved to anyone. Which wasn't true, but they thought it was true because they weren't following God. How is it that you say you you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices, what what are they doing? They're behaving, they're acting, they're obeying sin is a slave to sin. It's about obeying. It's not about knowing because they knew. They were the scribes and the Pharisees. They were the ones who knew the law. They were the ones who memorized the law. They knew what God said, but they were not practicing it. They thought knowing was enough. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son remains forever. And so he says that the religious leaders knew, but they didn't understand. So here's a here's the, here's the principle. Knowing does not necessarily lead to obeying. We need to know what the next step is, and then we obey the next step. We need to know, we need to learn, we need to study, we need to understand what the Word of God says. But just knowing it is not the point. It's actually putting it into practice. So let's go back to this man and woman who are standing here, and they both say, I do, and they get home. And they look at each other, and the man says to the woman, you know, I've read 10 marriage books in preparation for this day. So I, I know how to be a good husband. I'm, I'm a good husband. I have read all these books and now I'm a good husband. And she says, well, pff, I've read 12. I know how to be a good wife. And then they come to me for counseling in a week, a week later, because they can't get along because they know all of this stuff, but to put it into practice is a whole different deal. We need to obey what we know and then God will give us more. So maturity is not about how much we know. It's how we're obeying. It's how we're walking. It's how we're living. So obey to gain knowledge and maturity in Christ. Number two, obey to love and honor Christ. Obey to love and honor Christ. Maybe your kids were like mine, and when they were little, I don't know if they ever blatantly said it, but they implied that if you love me, you'll buy me this Nintendo system. Right? Because in their minds, love is getting what they want. And so I should do what they want. And we and what we don't understand is we have a, a loving Heavenly Father who is all powerful, all knowing and deserves And and knows what is best and wants what is best and will work for our best, not necessarily what we want. And so when he tells us to do something, it's for our best. And so he comes to us and he says, to follow me is to obey. Mm -hmm. So here we go. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 15. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 15. We obey to love and honor Christ. So he says, if you love me, you will what? Keep, Keep my commandments. You will obey what I say. You will do what I tell you to do. But so oftentimes we, we say, well, I, you know, I love God, but there's some things in my life that, I, you know, I know... He probably isn't happy with, but you know. I, but I, lo- I want to keep those things. Mm. And if they will listen carefully, they will, through the Scripture and through the Spirit, they will say, "Well, then you don't really love me." Mm. Oh, yes, I love you. No, you don't because you're not obeying me. To love God is to obey God. If you love me, you will obey what my what I command. Why? Because we trust Him. Because we believe He's God. Because He died for us. And he rose again, and he offers us everything everything that is is meaningful in life. So he says, if, if you love me, you will you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you in Jesus, and he will be in you at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes. So notice, he says... If you love me, you will obey me. You will follow me. You will do what I tell you to do. And then the spirit of truth, understanding will come. It's not understanding and then obeying. It's understanding what the next step is, taking that, and then the understanding comes. The Holy Spirit will come. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In the day, in that day, you will know. Follow me. So you got 12 disciples. 11 of them hear Jesus' word and obey. And then they experience later the truth. One of them hears Jesus' words and disobeys and never experiences the truth. When we don't, hear the truth, and follow it, we don't experience the truth that he's talking about. Do you see how important obeying is? Keep coming back to that. Obey what you know, and then you gain more understanding to take the next step. In that day, you will know. After you've obeyed, after the Holy Spirit comes. Whoever has my commandments and what? Keeps. What's the next word? Keeps. Are you with me here? Hello? Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Not he who knows my commandments, but he who does my commandments. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest. I'll show myself to him. He offers us so much as we obey, not just as we know. Verse 23, Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he he will keep my word. He keeps talking about this, which means it's important. And my father will love him, show his love to him, and we will come to him and we will make our home with him. The Holy Spirit will live within him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And so if someone knows what they're supposed to do, and we'll look at the scripture in a moment, but they doesn't do it, that means they really don't love God. Mm -hmm. Did you hear me? Mm -hmm. When I get to that moment when I know I'm supposed to, to apologize to my wife because I was rude. And I say, no, she deserved it. And God goes, no, I'm telling you, whether you like it or not, whether you think it's true or not, you apologize. Mm-hmm. And I, if I say no, what I'm saying to God is, God, I don't love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how deep it is. That's how mm-hmm. practical it is. That's how important obedience is which brings us to number 3. We need to obey obey to trust Christ no matter what. We obey to gain the knowledge and grow to maturity. We obey to love God. That's how we express our love to him and to honor Christ. It's how we are the salt and the light by obeying him. So people can see Christ in us and through us. And then we obey to trust Christ no matter what. We need to obey when it's hard. It's not always hard, but the hard times are what we really remember, right? When it's easy, we go, yeah, okay, yeah, i like to do that. And we don't think too much about it. But when it's hard, those are the ones that get us. Obedience, much of obedience is hard, but God gives us the ability as we step forward. In one of our, our recent memory verses in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. That's hard. Setting my desires aside and take up his cross daily. That's really hard because he's talking about, you know, he, the, the picture is crucifixion, carrying the cross like Christ did in obedience and follow me. It's hard. Obey when you don't understand. Because obedience is not knowledge. Obedience is hearing what God tells us to do and then doing it. Obedience is not understanding. Obedience is doing what he tells us to do. John chapter 11, verses 14 to 16. Jesus, excuse me, Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. Remember the story, Lazarus was sick, Mary and Martha sent to him, said, you know, the one you love is, is, is sick, come, and he delayed until Lazarus was dead, and then he told his disciples, he said, okay, <clears throat> Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. Thomas was willing to say, I will follow him even though I don't understand this. Mm-hmm. And even though, you know, because they tried to kill Jesus previously in Lazarus' hometown. Mm-hmm. And so in, in, in Thomas's mind, he's going, well, we're going back to where they tried to kill him before. They're going to try to kill him again, so let's go back and let's die with them. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thomas gets such a bad rap. You know, he really does. <clears throat> he had that kind of courage, telling all the other, the other 11, going, okay, let's go. Look, We're going to go die. We're going to go die. But they didn't die. They just followed Jesus. Obey when you don't agree. Do you ever sense God telling you to do something that you don't agree with? You think he's lost it. Yep. <laughs> there are times when you will not understand and that's when God is giving you the opportunity to experience, uh, to have an experience that will lead you to deeper trust. Because when you don't understand and you obey, and then later God lays it out and he works as he wants to work, you go, oh, okay. Now, okay, I can trust him. I can trust him. Think about Abraham. <clears throat> He was living in a pagan land. God comes to him and says, leave everything you got, your family, and just start traveling north. Doesn't explain anything else. And then as he goes along the way, he explains a little bit more. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you a son. But wait a minute. I'm 75 years old. I'm 85 years old. I'm 95. I still don't have a son. I don't understand. I don't understand, God. I don't understand. And several times he said to God, I don't understand. And God just kept saying, just trust me. Look at all the stars. That's how many. Uh, peop- that's how many your uh, descendants are going to be. The sand on the sea. Sh- the sand on uh, on, on Earth. Uh, that's how many your descendants are going to be. But I don't understand. Just obey me. Just trust me. Just do what I tell you to do, and then go take your son and kill him on Mount Moriah. I don't understand. That's not, that doesn't seem to fit with the promise. I don't understand. But he obeyed, and after he obeyed, he understood, and he went deeper with God. And because he obeyed, it wasn't about understanding. It was about obeying. Amen. And we need to get ourselves out of our, this Greek-based culture that says, I have to understand all the steps and, and all the results and all the consequences and know where this is going to lead if I'm going to obey. No, all we have to do is understand the next step. Obey when you don't understand. And then obey when you'd rather do anything else. <laughs> God, you know, at times when God tells you to do something, you go, God, not that! <laughs> Of all the things you could have asked me to do, not that. Mm-hmm. I'd do anything, and sometimes we even try to substitute. Mm-hmm. We, we 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 negotiate with God. He doesn't let up, and, and we think, okay, well maybe if I maybe if I do something really hard, then he'll be happy with that. So we look at First Samuel, where Saul has been given instruction to conquer this land. And destroy everything. But then the prophet Samuel shows up and Saul has not destroyed everything, but the people have convinced him to keep the best of the of the livestock and the best of the slaves and the best and we hear this. In First Samuel fifteen, twenty two, Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? Giving hundreds and hundreds of sacrifices, giving all of this up. God, I'll, get, I'll fast for a month if, if just don't make me do that. God, I'll, I'll, I'll give you all the money I make in the next month. Just don't make me do that. Obey when you want to do when you're willing to do anything else but that, Because that will become the turning point. If it's that hard and God is pushing you to it, it's because it's important in his scheme, but it's also important in your life. Amen. Galatians five fourteen and 15, for the whole law is fil- fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I put this in there because I think in many ways, loving people is the hardest thing of all. Oh, not the people that are easy to love, but the people that God puts in your life intentionally who drive you crazy. Loving is the hardest thing. Caring about... Now, don't, don't start elbowing the person beside you saying, well, yeah, yeah, I'll you know, see. Loving is the hardest thing to do. And it, but it's, about, it's not about feelings. There's the other reason I put the scripture in here. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love is an action. Love is an obedience. Love is a choice of the will to do what is best in another person's life. Verse, the next verse says, but if you bite and devour one another, you see action. Watch out that you're not consumed by one another. It's action. Love is action. obey. Obedience is how we love God. Obedience is how we serve God. Obedience is how we experience all that he offers to us. Obedience is what brings us eternal life. So how do we know the voices? How do we recognize the false voices? By knowing the true voice of God through obedience. Following God, following Christ, being a Christ follower is about following Christ. Would you bow your heads? As we talk today, it's quite possible that some things have come to your mind that God has been poking you about. I would encourage you just to make a choice today to obey what he's been telling you. You may have been debating, circling it, avoiding it, excusing Trying to do something different that would, maybe God would give you a pass. But I know from experience and from the word that he never does. And the best thing to do is just to obey and get it over with. Would you make that commitment today? And then carry it out this week? Lord, I pray that you would lead us into deeper and deeper obedience, which will be deeper and deeper Christ-likeness so that we can experience all that you have for us and all that you want to do through us for others. Give us the courage and help us to hear your voice and practice immediately obeying. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.